0: Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I wanna thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, TC. Let's give it up for everybody that's new in the house today. Man, we welcome you guys so excited that you're with us. My name is Brad Livingston. I'm the lead pastor at TC. Man, we are so pumped. You guys are coming out of summertime. I hope you feel good. And so, man, we want to jump straight into uh, what we have for you today. We're kicking off the Reframe series. And and today I want to talk to you a little bit about identity and and definition. And um, how many guys have a fear, a core fear? Come on, let's just be honest with yourselves for a second. All right, now I want you to take spiders and snakes off the list for just a second. Okay. So... I remember growing up, I really felt like quicksand was going to be a way bigger deal than it really is. Anybody relate? Like you were watching TV and you're like, man, I need to have a plan for this because like if I get caught in quicksand, that's the, like I need someone to throw me a rope or whatever. Um, And so growing up, I always felt like quicksand was going to be a way bigger deal than it really is. Uh, I've never once in my life been like, oh man, really glad I had that plan together for quicksand, right? But here's one thing I know about life is, although I've never fell into a slowly sinking mud puddle, I have constantly found myself in areas of my life where I felt like I was slowly getting dragged into an environment where it was consuming me. Right? Because quicksand, though not what I saw in the cartoons and on these very weird shows, quicksand in life does have a way of consuming us and closing everything in on us, doesn't it? And as I was looking through fear, when I was talking about dealing with people and what they fear, what do you fear? What do I fear? And I kind of came up with a list. I don't want to give these to you real quick because maybe you can resonate with one of or all of these. And uh, the first one is, uh, this is what people respond to. They say, I fear people thinking that I'm a fraud. Right? I, I, I fear people thinking that I'm a fraud. The next one a great fear that people have is I feel people hurting me. Anybody resonate with that? The next one is I fear people thinking that I'm weak. Right? I, fe- I, I fear people thinking that I, I can't take care of myself or, or, or uh, that I, I can't defend myself. Or, uh, and maybe, just maybe, I feel that way. I fear that I'll never measure up. Anybody? Anybody? I fear I'll never measure up. Next, I fear I'll always be known as that version of me. Anybody got a a version of you from the past that tends to come back and haunt you a little bit? And maybe it doesn't haunt you as much as you just feel like it haunts you. Uh, And talking about the fraud thing, my wife, uh, she has a fear as well. Um, My wife has a fear of losing money, uh, which is why she doesn't let me spend it. (laughs) Ever. Um, So we had a conversation recently where I was like, man, I was looking at these new pair of shoes. Don't judge me. Uh, I was looking at a new pair of shoes, and she was like, you do not need those shoes. We're not spending more money on shoes. And I was like, we aren't spending money on shoes. Come on, fellas. I am, okay, so just so we're clear. um, So. And so then she was like, no, we spend too much. You know, we have, were having the financial conversation. She's the budgeter. I'm not. So she was like, no, no, no. And then uh, she went to the bank statement and was adding up how much money she spends at Starbucks each month. <laughs> Fellas, this is your chance right now. You've never had a moment like this one right now, okay? What I also noticed is none of the guys in here looked at their wife or girlfriend. They are like, "Nah, brother, we're just going to pretend that one don't exist, all right? <laughs> So so, she, she fears losing money. She fears fraud. She's the one. She checks the bank account every two hours to make sure that nothing crazy has happened in it. Um, and so she, she fears, like, the fraud is going to happen. But here's, here's the reality. Um, it's, it's not the fraud that most of us fear where someone's going to take all of our money. It's people finding out we're a fraud because we're not really who we keep trying to tell everyone we are. Which ultimately brings us down. As I was looking through all the fears, as I got responses from many of you of what we fear, one theme sat at the bottom of almost every single one of them. So it didn't matter what we feared. This one thing was prevalent in almost all of them. And it's that I fear people seeing me the way I see me. Because how many guys know you can try to convince everyone else you are something, but at the end of the day, you still have to look in the mirror. And there's no voice that is louder than your voice. And I fear people seeing me the way I see me. Because it doesn't matter how successful I am. Come on. I'm not successful enough. It doesn't matter how much I try to work out how pretty I am. I'm I'm just not pretty enough. It doesn't matter how great I am at these things. I'm not great enough. And we all fear people seeing us the way we see us. But you know, it wasn't always that way. It wasn't always that way. Matter of fact, there was, there was a time in history where everything was right. And that's where I want to take you today in Genesis chapter 1. So let's go there. We're going to look at the book of Genesis for a little bit as we kick off this series. Because as we look at a moment in time where things were right and they were good, and we want to see exactly what happened. So Genesis 1 verse 27 is, is where we're going And it should be in your notes. It's on the screen. But here's here's what it said. And so it says, so God created mankind in his own image. Many of you know this story. This is Genesis chapter 1 is where God created the world. He created everything in the world, mankind and animals and everything. says he created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, He created them. So in the beginning, God establishes you are man. This is who and what you are and woman for the record. So you are man, you are woman. This is who you are. This is what you are. God establishes, and I want you to say this word, identity. Say it. Identity. So God establishes identity. Some of you at home, you didn't say it with me. I want you to say it with me. Everyone say it together. Identity. All right. So look at your cat when you say it out loud. Okay. They're going to look at you confused. Let's go to chapter 2, verses 16 to 17, and we're going to look at again what's going on. And the Lord God commanded the man, so he gives him a commandment. You're free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Okay? So God says, you are this. This is who you are. This is what you are. This is what you can do. This is what you can't do. How confining of God. Right? So God creates them. Genesis 2, verse 25. Adam and his wife were both naked. And they felt no, say that word with me, shame. They felt no shame. And I believe where fear stems from in our life isn't inadequacy, it's shame. What we're scared of is the shame we would feel if people saw us the way we see us. And isn't it interesting that the very thing that the enemy is so good at throwing at us because if we are in Christ Jesus, if we're saved, if, you, if you've put your faith in Jesus, and if you haven't today, that's fine. We, we're going to give you a chance to, to meet Jesus today, and I pray that you do that. But for those of us who our faith is in Jesus, our sin isn't damaging to us anymore because grace has moved it out of the way. Come on. And so since that's a, a beautiful thing, so the enemy doesn't have sin he can hang over our head. He only has shame, which is what we struggle with the most. Am I right? So we're, we deal with all of the shame. So here's the beautiful part, Genesis 1 and 2, right? We were defined by God, so we felt no shame, and we didn't know sin, and everything was all right. Again, we were defined by God. Say defined. I, so we didn't feel shame. Say shame. Because we did not know sin. Say sin. Okay. Now, this is, just give me a minute, because I'm, I'm getting a runway going to help you for a second. And so... And then, Genesis chapter 3 happens. So, for the record, if you think you're just awesome, remember, we got two chapters of the entire Bible killing it. Of which we were only present for half of one of. And then chapter 3, we're like, ah. Right. So let's go there. What happened? Let's go there and see what happens. Genesis three, verse one. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Verse four, the serpent says, you will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The serpent says God doesn't want you to be able to define or God shouldn't have the right to define who you are. You should have the right to define who you are. Listen to me. The enemy comes to you and loves to convince you you shouldn't have the right to create your own image or God shouldn't have the right to create your image. You should have the right to create your own image. God shouldn't have the right to tell you what to do. You should have the right to tell you what to do. And let me tell you something. The enemy is sneaky But he doesn't have a new game plan. Because guess what? The enemy still wants to convince us of today. What God says about you shouldn't matter. What you say about you should matter. Right? And so that's where we're at. Genesis chapter 3, we pick up. So so here's what I want to point out to you, though. The great lie that got us to where we are now, listen to me. Look back. I want you, we're going to go back to verse 4 and 5. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. And you want to know what the trick of the enemy was then and it still is now? You're not enough the way you are, so you need to find something better inside yourself. You're not enough the way you are now, so you need to find something better inside yourself. And if you'll find something better inside yourself, that can become your truth. And your truth is better than God's truth. Oh, y'all see where this is going. The enemy says, you're not enough, but if you'll do this, you'll be able to redefine who you are, and you can make yourself enough. Genesis 3, 6 and 7, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took it and ate it. Oh, ladies, you're killing us. She also gave some to her husband. Listen, if you've got a child in here under 13, close their ears for a second. You'd be shocked at never mind. No, we're not doing a (laughs) different series. You'd be shocked at what a guy'll do. Never mind. No, 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 no. He was with her and he ate the fruit. Now, for the record, God didn't tell the woman not to eat of the fruit of the garden, tree of the garden. He told the man not to eat of the tree of the garden. See, the ladies are way more vocal in their opportunities than the guys are. You know what I'm saying? The guys wasn't even taking a Starbucks opportunity. We just talked about the damnation of mankind. And the ladies are like, hey, I told y'all. Sorry, y'all. Y'all better figure it out. Let's go to the last part of verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. What did they realize? They realized that what was in them now wasn't supposed to be in them. What was a part of them now wasn't supposed to be a part of them. When they looked in to find out who they were, they found out what they didn't love about themselves. And from that moment to now, we've constantly been trying to clothe ourselves with accomplishments rather than resting in what was accomplished for us. I want to give this to you as the first thing in your notes starting with self causes shame because all we can see is sin. When we're trying to define who we are, starting with self always causes shame because all we see is sin. We constantly see how we don't measure up. We constantly see what's not right. And at the end of the day, one of the greatest fears, you guys answered the question. I didn't make this up. I fear people seeing me the way I see. Well, why do I see me that way? Because there is something in my life now that didn't exist in Genesis 1 and 2, but starting in chapter 3, it existed where we're not enough, so I keep trying to make myself enough. And I fear people seeing me the way I see me. And what I want to offer you for the next few minutes is I want to show you how we look to three different environments to define who we are. And I want to show you what each one of those environments have done. Can we do that today? And this is going to set up the rest of the series as we look at it. And if you haven't registered for the Reframe Conference, I know some of you just heard about it, register for it because this is the tip of the iceberg of what we're going to dive into for two straight days. And so I want to encourage you, you can register online, do all the stuff. Three areas that we look to, def- to define our identity. Number one, we look inside ourselves for identity. We look inside ourselves for identity. Now, we love looking inside ourselves for identity. You want to know why? Because we love being the center of our own universe. Yeah. Like, come on. Don't we? Like, I love being, some of you are like, no, I love people. Yeah, yeah you love people because if you show them love, you're hoping they will show you love. So, like... So we, are at, we really are at the center of, of what we're doing here. And so we look inside for our identity, our wants, our desires, our hopes, our dreams, right? Our needs, our passions, our feelings. <clears throat> Defining who you are starts with you when you look inside yourself to define yourself. But here's the question that I have for you. How can you establish something you didn't create? How how do you establish something you didn't create? So, So is it better to design who you are or discover who you are? Because you didn't create you, God created you. And since he created you, he already put something in you. So your job isn't to design it or define it. Your job is to discover it. But when we look inside ourselves, we're trying to define. We're trying to... Design. That's why I got this interesting statistic. 91% of Americans believe the best way to find your identity is to look within yourself. 91% of Americans believe the best way to define who you are is to look inside yourself. Let me ask you a question. How many bad decisions have you ever made looking inside yourself? Look at your neighbor and say, a lot. Like some of y'all are like, I don't want to talk about it. I just don't want to talk about it. Right? Like every, Can we be honest? I'll be honest about myself. Every bad decision I've ever made was me looking inside myself for what I wanted, needed, defined within myself. Every time I stepped outside of myself and looked at something else is when things got better. And so looking inside ourselves is damning. Man, looking inside yourself, that's where you get this mantra that we have in America. Trust your gut. Right? Look inside your heart. Pursue your truth. Like, go after your identity. Just do you. Nobody else gets to define you. Nobody knows you like you know you, so you should define you because nobody knows you like you know you. My argument to that would be, you should never define you because nobody knows you like you know you. Like, I know me better than anybody, and I know I am not qualified to be the designer and definer of my own life because I will run that train into the ground every time right? Like I'm sitting here, like I'm, I'm on this weight loss journey. I'm like at the beginning of the year, I set out, I'm going to lose 50 pounds this year. I'm happy to tell you guys, I only got 60 pounds to go. Okay. So like, I've got, (laughs) we're just, it's, it's been awesome. So (laughs) that part's actually not true. We have been losing weight, but all that is how many guys have ever been just in control of your diet and saw how that went? You really think you should be in charge of your destiny? I can tell some of y'all are like, cool, I'm not coming back for any of this series. So we'll see you in October. Uh, but hear me, the appeal to this is, is mesmerizing. You're, you define, you create, you establish that. I don't know about you, like for someone that loves control, that's a great place to be. I get to pick all of that. And so you define your uniqueness, you define what makes you special, you define how the world sees you, and we find in ourselves what we find in ourselves, listen to me, and this is where the world is getting it wrong, what we find in ourselves, we feel like it has to be good because we found it in ourselves. And since we found it in ourselves, this is obviously a good thing, but the problem is, and we're actually going to get into this next week because today we're talking about definition, but next week we're going to talk about desires. What we're going to deal with next week is the reality that just because you, if you found it in yourself, it doesn't make it good, it makes it you. But the whole world is screaming, if it's in you, it's good. But I can give you a list of a million things in me that aren't good. So why would my identity be any different? What do I need? I need an identity to come from somewhere else. So as we unpack that, so what, man, what do we do? Nobody gets to tell us what's wrong. No one gets to tell you what's ugly. No one gets to tell you what's Sin? Why should anybody have that right? And why should God have that right to tell you that what you love is sin? I know we're looking at it like, that sounds ridiculous. But isn't that how the whole world is operating right now? Isn't that the tension we see on social media with people arguing? You, we get, you, you, no, no, no. You don't, you don't get to tell somebody else what they are. I don't get to, but somebody gets to. Because Genesis one one says he created us. So so as we're looking for that, the problem though, well, yeah, the problem, so the appeal is that it's mesmerizing to look within ourselves. The problem is it's inconsistent. Right? When's the last time you you disagreed with you? This morning. When you were getting dressed, that outfit's gonna be fly, and then you put it on and you're like, I look like a can of grand's busted biscuits wearing this thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like why you disagreed with you twice today, right? You thought you wanted a croissant which from Burger King and said you wanted a McGriddle from McDonald. Okay, like you disagree with you today. So listen, if the problem is if we're looking inside ourselves, the problem is everything inside ourselves is inconsistent. So what happens when your gut, your truth, your identity, how you feel says you are blank only for blank not to be real? What happens when when you're telling yourself you are this, but come to find out the this that you keep trying to convince yourself of falls through and it doesn't work out? What happens when you are blank turns out to not be as fulfilling as you thought it would? I put this on the screen. When your definition of yourself truly becomes your identity, failure isn't something that happens to you. It's who you are. So when you're at the core of defining who you are, and you fail at the thing that you've defined, now failure isn't something that you've done. Failure is something that you are. And we don't process failure as identity very well. And so it becomes inconsistent. That's why Jeremiah 17.9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things, and beyond cure, who can even understand it? Anybody recognize that at the center of us, we're pretty wicked? Right? Some of you are like, no. Well, so we look in to find out who we are, but that's not quite enough. So the next thing that we do is instead of looking inside, we start looking around to others for affirmation. We're looking around to others for affirmation. So we look inside ourselves. Either we love what we see there, but we know it's broken, or we hate what we see there. So what do we do? We start looking for others. It's called community. It's a good thing. The problem is, when we look to others for affirmation, we start looking around, right? What do people think about me? How do people think about What do they say about me? What is the identity that they can give me, right? This is the reason why teenagers have been joining gangs for over 70 years, right? It's because they're looking for someone, a different group of people, to give them something they can't give to themselves. And so again, hey, tell me who I am. Tell me who I am. Tell me, tell me what I because I don't know who I am. So tell me what I am and tell me, tell me who I am. And the problem is if every person that's giving you an identity also doesn't know theirs, what version of yours do you think they're going to give you? So as long as we're going to a circle of people that has lost their identity to give us our identity, now we're just like blind following the blind, right? Like we're trying to figure it out. And so we go into this, tell me who I am. The problem is what happens when they tell you according to what they want you to be, or the whole idea of tell me what tell me what I want to hear, right? Anybody ever got ever had yes people in your life? Yeah. Anybody ever got maybe you got some friends that they need a swift kick in the rear right now, but all they got is friends around them saying, "Don't worry about it, baby, you'll be fine." And you're like, "No, someone needs to give them a good." You know what I mean? Don't put that part on social media. Like. You know what I'm saying? Like, so what do we do? We find two different groups of people, either the ones that tell us who we are, but it's not who we are. Or they tell us what we want to hear, but it's not what we need to hear. And so we have these two different groups of people. And that's why Proverbs, what Proverbs says is so important. Proverbs thirteen twenty says it like this. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and you'll get in trouble. Walk with the wise, I love. I think Steve Harvey said it, I don't know, but he was like, man, uh, maybe Denzel Washington, one of those like ancient theologians, so uh, <laughs> <but> they said, <laughs> they said uh, surround yourself with five rich people and you'll become the sixth. Surround yourself with five smart people and you'll become the sixth. Surround yourself with five idiots and you'll become the sixth, right? So our, our environment does matter. The thing is, is if we're looking around to others to give us an identity, it will always fail. If we look to the environment or the community that we're in to affirm the identity that's already been given to us, it can succeed. And so here's a question that I have for you as you think about your friend circles. Are you looking to your friends to tell you who you are or are you looking to your friends to confirm what God has already said you are? Because it gives us two different levels of affirmation. That's why Hebrews 12 is so important. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, what does that mean? I got a community around me. What are those? What is that community? That community is believers. That's what he's talking about. We're surrounded by a crowd of witnesses, right? Then what do I do? Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. In other words, everything that's been holding your life down, everything that's been pushing down on you, everything that's been holding on to you and now you can't go after God the way you want to, strip off all those things. But he's saying it strategically. He's saying, since you're surrounded by people that see what God sees in you, let go of the things that shouldn't be a part of you. But if you're not surrounded by the people that that see in you what God sees in you, it's always going to be hard to lay those things down because you can't keep trying to find something to put on. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Listen, we're going to social media. We're going to Instagram. We're going to TikTok. We're going to friends. We're going to people who we wouldn't trust with our car to give us identity. Like, come on. Like, I remember the first time my wife drove my truck. And I was like, listen. I was talking to her like it was a 16-year-old driver in my house for the first time. I'm like, you need to understand a few things. Before you got on the road, okay? Like, you ever see my truck? I got a uh, six-inch lift on a Tundra, thirty-five-inch tire. It's a big truck. Like, I've been in—I've been with her in a Saturn, and she clipped the curb. Okay, so like, so, so like, I'm like, listen to me now. You need to understand how to drive this thing. She's like, I know how to drive this thing. I was like, oh, well, you just need to hear me. You know what I mean? Like, she hits me, fellas. This is your chance again. All right. I'm not trying to start a war. This is just that week. Okay. So, ladies, oops is what you say when a small thing happened on accident. When you hit that curb for the 13th time this month, it's no longer oops. Oops. It's like, no, 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 no. Right? Sorry, I'm meddling. So all that to say, all that to say is when it comes to our community, some of us are literally going to people we wouldn't trust to pick a restaurant for dinner for them to tell us who we are. We're going on social media. Everything else they posted this week, we disagree with, but then they tell us who we are, and we go, God, that must be true. Like, we don't, we don't trust any decision they've ever made. Every time they've dated somebody, you rolled your eyes and called them a moron, right? But then when it comes for the opportunity for you to really start feeling secure about yourself, you go to them hoping they're going to give you wisdom and insight. we got to start going to the right people to get the right things. Because as long as you keep going to the wrong ones, you're going to get the wrong things. That's why groups are so important. First of all, I want to let you know a couple things. A, ladies are having a brunch coming up on a Saturday. So uh, out in the lobby, we got registrations for two things. We got one for men's burger awards. Fellas, if you are here, come eat burgers, play cornhole. We're going to fellowship. We're going to talk about groups. It's going to be an amazing time. You can register in the lobby. Ladies, y'all are going to eat brunch and do talk about the curbs in the city that are easy to hit. I don't know what y'all are going to do. Okay, so. But make sure you sign up for that as well. You can do both of those things in the lobby immediately after service, or you can go to mytc.life. But as we talk about groups, we got a testimony of two of the young men in our church that launched a group this season and how it made such an impact in their life um, because community matters. And we want to show this to you. Go ahead and roll it, guys.
1: My name is
2: Shaq. My name's Talon. The TC group is for men, it's called a boulder off your shoulders. And it's about like a group of men just have a lot of pressure.
1: Pretty much just guys who can't say certain things or don't want to at home that they can say, you know, with other guys.
2: A lot of people don't understand how much burden, how heavy it rests on your shoulders and on your back as well. So being able to have open space, everyone can share the same difficulty struggles that we deal day by day.
1: At first, honestly, I was a little nervous. I mean, but I talked to a lot of people, so it's not hard for me to talk to people, but, you know, inviting them into my home and inviting them into my heart and my headspace, it was great. So, you know, maybe two or three weeks in, it was, we had the ball rolling. It was amazing.
2: At before I was like, man, I, I don't talk. A lot of people are like, okay, Taylor. I don't know Taylor, but I know T. And it's like, okay, well, like, at first I, don't, I know a lot of stuff, but you had to ask me for me to start talking. But once, you got, once I get started, it's kind of hard to calm down. But um, I told Shaq at the beginning, I said, listen, I'm cool if it's just two people, me and him. I'm cool with that. And it's like, but we started getting more and more people. And they're like, he said, the ball will start rolling. We all in the same boat and helping each other. One thing I learned from small group is like different perspectives. I, a lot of people, we won't understand everyone and everybody, but I can understand where you get from your perspective. Like, I wanna walk in your shoes and show me your story on how you get with this answer and how I get with this answer. So we might not see eye to eye, but we both see each other's perspectives.
1: For a bunch of guys to just come out and talk about their feelings, which we don't do very much. So to see that, I think we made a, a big difference
2: for a lot of guys and be like, okay, I'm not adequate or I don't, I don't deserve to be with another group or I don't deserve to be in a group of guys that that's actually supporting each other. Sometimes I can, I'm used to being the lone wolf, so I'm okay being alone, you know what I'm talking about? But like, actually being in a group is like, okay, you're not the only person with difficulty or flaws. There's a lot of people just like me, just like you, just like him. But doing it together is actually
1: like changed just like perspectives. We had one guy, he wasn't a huge talker. I'd probably say day two or three, he came in like laughing, smiling, it started really opening up to the point where it's like, all right, everybody close your books. We don't have to talk about a lesson today. Now it's like a life thing. Like tell us how you really feel today.
2: Knowing that it's a it's not just it's just a guy meetup. It's more like a a brotherhood and like true bondship, honestly, just bonding with each other.
1: We weren't meant to do this alone. So just do it.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Taylor and Shaq. Appreciate it, man. That's why community is so important. Groups are so important being around around the being around the right people. Fellas, sign up for that burger. It's, It's this Friday. Sell up for it. Sign up for it. Meet some guys. And if you want to start a group this season, this is the time for that. So you can actually register to start a group. We got some people in the lobby you can connect with on that. But here's the reality. We look inside ourselves to find identity. We look around to find identity. But here's the reality, man. I want to give it to you right now. There's only one place you can really look to define who you are. And the truth is this, look up to God to define who you are. Look up. If he's the creator, then he's the definer. And so we need to look up to God because when we look up, see, this is, this is kind of the idea of what we're talking about with this series is most of us have been convinced we need to look in, define who we are, look around to find people who agree with it, And then maybe look up to see what God thinks about it. But I'm here to tell you, it's actually supposed to be the opposite. We're supposed to look up to see what God says about us, look around for people that affirm what God says about us, and then look within ourselves to figure out what we need to do about it. You see, that's how we really define who we are. So as long as we're trying to define who we are, we're always going to struggle with it. And that's why it's so important when we go to Ephesians 2, verse 10, as we wrap up today. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says this. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It's the gift of God. And this is the part I want you to see, not by works so that no one can boast. Not all that work you're doing to try to give yourself identity, it can't even save you, right? And so, but then it goes on, and this is where I wanted to get to you, for we are God's masterpiece. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You see, Genesis 3 starts with self, calls a shame because we see sin. But when we're living in our own identity and God finds us, it prompts a necessary reaction of some sort. I'm gonna say that again. When we're living in our sin and, and God finds us, it prompts a necessary reaction, right? Like, For example, every time someone comes face to face with Jesus, it does one of two things. Either it challenges who they are and they become angry and frustrated, which is what we have mostly going on in society nowadays, right? Who, who is God to tell me what I should do? What is the Bible supposed to, how should I listen to a book? How should I listen to a God that challenges who I am? So, so when we come face to face with God, either it challenges our truth, which there is no our truth, there's only the truth, and there's only the author of the truth. And we go to God, who's the author of the truth, to find out what's true. But so it either challenges our truth and we get angry, or it shows us what we've always believed, which is that I'm not enough but somebody who was enough came and died for me so that he could make me enough, even though I couldn't make me enough. And that's why it's beautiful, and there's a story in Luke 7, and I know I'm over on time, but if you just go there with me quickly, you don't, even if you don't turn, just look at the screen, but in Luke chapter 7, there's a story where Jesus goes to a house, and as he's going to this house, he comes face to face with some people, and most of them are disciples, but there's Mary, and there's Martha, and, and, and two of them are taking two different approaches on how to please God. One of them is working, and one of them is just looking at Jesus. So one of them's still still trying to get everything together and still trying to hold it together and still trying to make sure that Jesus affirms what she's doing. The other one just wants to be with Jesus. And that's where we go And a sinful woman. How would you like that title in the Bible? You know what I'm saying? Like, like Luke couldn't have got a name first, you know? So a sinful woman in the town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she brought an alabaster jar of perfume and stood behind Jesus at his feet crying and in this particular story he's he's eating with a number of people and she began to wash his feet with her tears and she dried them with her hair kissing them many times and rubbing them with the perfume and i and i I thought about this story as i was thinking about many of what you guys had shared about your fears and and what we all navigate on a regular basis. And, And when God shows up in our life, he pushes back against the version of ourselves that we think is right. But the only reason he pushes back against us of the version that we think is right is to show us that what we really need is his version of right. Because when I look inside, it's not enough. But when I look to him, it's always enough. Because he who knew no sin became sin when he died for me so that you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, it was never enough. But for many of us, what I'm challenging you today, some of you have been in church for years, maybe even decades, but you have allowed yourself to be defined by all the things of this world. For many of you, you still at your core have this amazing fear where people are going to see you the way you see you. But the problem is you need to change how you see you because the way you see you is not how God sees you. The reality is when we come face to face with Jesus, either it pushes back against who we are or it causes an absolute surrender to say, I knew I wasn't enough, but now I know who can make me enough. And his name is Jesus. And today, you don't need to define yourself. You don't need to look inside. In the beginning, you don't even need to look around. All you need to do is look up. Because when we look up to God, the very person that created in Genesis 1 is the very person that can give you identity today. And what we need is for someone to come alongside us and tell us that. That's why what Tim Keller says is so powerful. I'll give you this as we close. Jesus is the only savior in the world who, if you gain him, will satisfy you. And if you fail, you, if you fail him, will forgive you. That's why his identity is so powerful in your life. And so here's what I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you to stand with us all across this place. We're going to end service a little bit differently and, because here's what I want to do. I want to invite you to the place where you reflect on what is God speaking to you today. So what is God communicating to you? What is God telling you? What, what, what is it about your identity that needs to shift right now? What is it about who you are? What is it about what you're telling yourself? What is it about what you see in the mirror that needs to change? And so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go into a moment of reflection in just a second, but before we do that, I wanna pray for some of you, because for some of you, you need Jesus to take over your life. You need this moment where you realize that who you are isn't enough, but Jesus can make you enough. And today, if you've got sin in your life that separates you from God, I'm here to tell you that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price that you could not pay so that you could be close to God again. And so let's all bow our heads in here today. As you're bowing your heads, I wanna invite you, if you're here and Jesus is not the Lord of your life, you have looked in all the wrong places to define who you are, but you're realizing today that Jesus not only can define who I am, but he also can save me. And today, if you need salvation, today, if you need to be saved, today, if you need a fresh start, you need a new beginning, then I'm gonna invite you to pray this prayer with me and the whole church will pray with you so you're not praying by yourself. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I believe you died for me. So I give you my life. Make me brand new, give me a fresh start, and I'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you wanna connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola more information about our church or to contact us feel free to go to mytc.life mytc.life is also where you can partner with us financially and we would love it if you would consider doing just that as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow so i want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who god wants them to be i pray you have a blessed day